you believe that this morning that we have a living hope no chain can bound us down no guilt no shame no anxiety we have a living hope and his name is jesus if you believe that this morning let's give us a shout of praise this morning you are set free from your sin you're set free from your guilt and from your shame and in the name of jesus come on there's power in the name of jesus all the demons fall in the name of jesus every knee will bow and in the name of jesus he can radically transform your life in this moment and i believe that right now in this moment god we thank you for this time that we get to spend in your presence god let your presence flow in this place god right here in the worship center to the kids in the back god the preteens when they get dismissed god in the parking lot god let your presence overflow in this place god we thank you and we're so grateful for what you've done in our past but god we're so excited and expectant on what you're going to do in our future in your mighty matchless name we pray and everybody said amen amen and amen well thank you guys so much for joining us this sunday morning at reach church uh, we're so grateful and thankful that you guys are here both in person this morning and online if you're watching online good morning we haven't forgot about you we promise um, but man we're so grateful and thankful that you guys are here and if you're new here welcome if you're new to region it's your first time man you chose an amazing sunday to be here uh, i believe that with all my heart that god has you here for a reason uh, and so if you're here and it's your first time or you've never done this before your best first step is to download our church center app there's a lovely QR code on the screen right there. There's technology. I, I'm gonna show you something right now that many of you guys probably don't know, okay? If you open up your camera on your phone and point it at the QR code, it pops open a website. You can download our Church Center app. And from this Church Center app, you're gonna be able to do so many different things, such as sign up for a serving, sign up for different life groups. Speaking of life groups, ladies, where you at? Ladies, make some noise. Coming up this Saturday at 10 a.m., you guys do not want to miss this time of community and having fun. Uh, you guys are having your annual murder mystery, right? Annual murder mystery. Come on, it's gonna be a blast. The Florida campus just did it and it, I heard nothing but good things. Uh, but if you guys are interested in, in joining us for that, scan the QR code, talk to Pastor Angie after service. Ladies, you do not want to miss this event. It's gonna be an awesome time to have fun because who doesn't like fun? but also to get to know people as well here at Reach Church. Also, other different groups, Young Adults Tuesday Nights. Love to have you join us. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Just me, I guess, and Ashley. Yeah, it's whatever. You know, nobody else is excited, but whatever. <laughs> but man, we have so many different awesome things on this app. You can also give on this app as well. And if you have been faithful in your giving, thank you. Seriously, it means a lot to us here at Reach Church because you help make a difference, not only here in Colorado Springs, but all across come on all across the world and i don't think you guys understand that how far reach church will give to make a difference when you walk in there's a missions board right next to the doors those are missionaries that we give to and if you guys want to go above and beyond in your giving feel free to do that but also if you just want to give anyway you, there's multiple different ways you can give on our website at reachchurchnetwork.org Remember, it's an org, not a com. I've made that mistake. Uh, <laughs> reachchurchnetwork.org. Or you can also give on our app as well. But again, thank you guys so much for being faithful and generous in your giving. Because we can be the hands of feet, hands and feet of Jesus in our city and all 
across the world. God, thank you for the blessings that you've given us, God. And we pray for these offerings and these tithes and these gifts, God, that we so freely give, God, that, that it goes and makes a difference, not in these four walls, God, but all over the world. God, here in Colorado, in Nicaragua, in Taiwan, in, 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 in Tijuana, wherever it is, God, that, that it makes a difference. But God, let it multiply your kingdom, not only here, but everywhere it goes. In your mighty name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Hey, there's another way that you guys can go above and beyond in your giving this holiday season, uh, and it's Operation Christmas Child. And so we're going to have Morgan fill us in a little bit about Operation Christmas Child. Thank you, Pastor Levi. So in that heart of giving, we are in the season for Operation Christmas Child, which is an amazing opportunity, as Levi said, to touch children around the world. Our goal this year is 150 boxes. And just think, that's 150 children that not only get blessed with toys and school supplies, but every single one of those box brings the gospel. Yeah, come on. Okay. And inside your box, in that little brochure, it tells about how you can actually give a little bit extra to send your child on what they call the discipleship journey. So they have a several week series where they get to pour into the word and learn it and take it to their village, take it to their family, take it to their friends. And when they graduate from that discipleship journey, they then get a Bible. Imagine a Bible that they can refer to throughout their entire lives. Some families, that's the entire Bible in their entire house. Imagine the impact that one shoebox can make. Yeah. So if you have questions about shoeboxes, they're located right there in the back. You can find me, you can find one of our staff, and we'd love to get you plugged in and just spread the word of Jesus around the world this Christmas season. Back to you, Levi. Let's go. I, I believe that we're going to go over 150 boxes. Come on, in the name of Jesus, let's do it. <laughs> so if you guys are interested in doing that, you guys can uh, talk to Morgan after service or in the table in the back. For our youth students, coming up next Sunday, Caleb, do you know what's going on next Sunday? What is it? Come on. Uh, I'm going to have you say it in the microphone. The harvest party thing. The harvest party thing. All right, whatever. Terminology is a little different. Sure, but whatever. Yes, we're having our Halloween party at 1030 for our preteens. Uh, we have their own event as well. There's going to be food, costume party, pumpkin launcher as well. It's going to be awesome. And then that same night on October 22nd, our youth students are going to have their own Halloween party with, with more food with another pumpkin launcher, come on. It, we love to have fun here. <laughs> and also costume contests as well. Invite your friends. You don't know what one invite could do. I'm, I'm looking at you students right here. What one invite could do to change somebody's life. So we would love to have you guys join us on that October 22nd. This is our reaching out. Remember, we're reach in, reach up, and reach out. This is our reach out. We're inviting the community to come in and experience the love of Jesus. And that, we, we believe that this is a great way to do that. So again, Next Sunday, October 22nd, if you see a bunch of preteens and youth running around in costumes, now you know why. But it's going to be a lot of fun. And also, this month is Pastor Appreciation Month. And before we hand it off, I just want, can we thank our amazing leaders here at Reach Church? Come on, give them a round of applause to our amazing lead pastors here at Reach Church. And if you're interested in, in providing a blessing or a card, you guys, there's a basket in the back that you guys can drop things off for Pastor Appreciation Month. But man, again, we're so grateful and thankful that you guys are here. Why don't you guys take a moment to turn and greet your neighbor, uh, say hello. And at this time, I'm also gonna dismiss our preteens. We have Lenny and David running, wave their hands in the back as well. And again, welcome to Reach Church.
Well, good morning, Reach Church. Are you excited? Even more so, are you excited about your salvation? You ought to be. The psalmist told us to uh, enjoy the, you know, to renew unto us the joy of our salvation. That uh, he cried out to the Lord for that renewal. And I think that's something that we should do, not just on Sundays, but each and every day of our life. Amen. So listen, I've got the privilege of introducing our guest speaker, but before I do, I want to give a little praise. First and foremost, to the Lord for all of you, to all those who serve here at Reach Church, uh, from our children's ministry all the way through worship, hospitality, administration, everything that gets done around here, there's a lot of hands that are put to the work, and I am grateful for everybody uh, that serves this house and, and God's people and our community. Can you give them a hand clap? Give yourself a hand clap. Uh, one of the things that's the most exciting for me is I watch our leaders uh, grow and develop and that they're released. I, Angie and I were down in Florida for the last couple weeks. Jake and Amanda, the campus pastors down there are doing a wonderful job. Uh, all the leaders that are stepping up, some of the new people that are coming in and getting involved and serving in different places and seeing people find uh, their place in the body of Christ and use their gift is really for me, one of the greatest blessings in pastoring is to see folks experience God's work in and through them into the lives of others, up, in, out, right? And so seeing that's exciting. But here, I got to log online and watch the service and, and see everybody, you know, from the worship uh, service time to even the announcements and seeing Levi, you know, share about what's going on with the youth. I got back and he said, hey, we had like twice as many people at the young adults gathering and I'm like, hey, you ought to clap on that. Just, yes. you know, right? Encourage him, man. We want to see it. So in his mindset, he goes, I think we're going to hit 40. You know, I'm like, go, go, right? Uh, you want him to go into all the world and, and make disciples. Uh, but seeing that, here's what the blessing is for me. And Joseph and Lindsay's message last week and the week before with Joseph, Pastor Joseph, um, seeing people fulfill their calling in Christ and how that impacts other people. Let me say this. There's roles and submission. Roles and submission. Say that with me. Roles. Roles. And submission. And submission. Now, what that has to do with is that I am so thankful for people who can lead worship, sing, and play instruments. Amen? I'm happy about that. And just like you as a member of the body, I might be the pastor of the church, the senior pastor. But let me tell you, in that moment, I'm down there and I'm submitted to worship of the king of kings and lord of lords the audience of one right and and so we all have a role to play we have a part to to give and be a a part of the kingdom of god and advancing it but what i always loved uh is that at the end of the day whatever role we fill we all go back back to servants quarters every single one of us go back to servants quarters and in my heart I know for Angie, that's been our heart to serve the kingdom of God, to serve God's people, and frankly, to see other leaders rise up. It uh, gives me great joy to pass batons and to release and empower. I don't have to do all of it. I don't have to be the one speaking all the time. I don't, matter of fact, you're better off if I'm not. Can I get an amen on that? Oh, you're kind of reluctant. Amen? So we want to see people released in their callings and their giftings. And uh, I wanted to share that this morning to say that, so while I, here in the Mountain Plains region for Open Bible, I'm the regional executive director for seven states in the Mountain Plains region as well, 
uh, for our churches in Open Bible. Um, but speaking of roles in submission, I have the pleasure of introducing to you the uh, Southeast Regional Director for Open Bible and uh, his lovely wife, Candy. I'm sure you'll, you'll talk about Candy a little bit, but if you two would come on up, uh, if you come on up, um, I want to tell you it has been such a joy for Angie and I to uh, serve under their leadership in the Southeast region. Uh, that we took that step as a church to help relaunch uh, the church in Largo, Florida, which is our sister church. Come on, somebody. Amen. Right? Reach Church Largo, Florida, and Reach Church Colorado partner together to advance the kingdom of God. But that brainchild, if you will, when we started talking about revitalizing the church in Largo and working together, I think we talked on, because COVID hit, and when COVID hit, you all know how crazy things got, right? And we were already in conversations, and so it took about a year before we actually got to a point of doing the assessment and all those things that came out of it. But it has been a joy to serve under Nathan uh, Hagen, his leadership in the Southeast region. Uh, he has fought the battles for us that we needed him to fight uh, to lead that church into its best future. And you have had a great part in that. And he, is, he and Candy have always acknowledged how important that was that uh, Reach Church Colorado stepped in to love on and to help uh, the church in Largo reach up, reach in, and reach out. With no further ado, Amen. I'm going to pass it off to Nathan, mm. and he's going to bring the word this morning. Give him a hand. Thank you, Pastor yeah. Derek. Good morning. It is a joy to be with you this morning. And um, I'll tell you... Um, Kind of aside from the role that I serve, I am also a proud member of the Reach Church family. Uh, my family and I attend Reach Church Florida, and when I say that we're proud members of your church family, I mean it sincerely. Um, we are excited to be a part of it. We live an hour away, um, and when we're not traveling, visiting other churches, um, we drive through Tampa traffic <laughs> to get to um, your sibling congregation in Florida, and it's been a joy to watch the process. And I, I want to just say up front, Pastor Derek and Angie, they, they did not ask me, they didn't give me any instructions on what to share about this morning. They have no idea what I'm sharing about this morning, but I want you to know that on the front end because um, I am going to be doing a lot of honoring and celebrating you and them and the beautiful work that your church has done. And I don't take that lightly, but I want you to know that because it may seem like, oh, Pastor Derek invited this guy to come and make us sound really good. No, he did not do that. And I can tell you with all sincerity, he has no idea what I'm going to say, which is kind of fun to kind of flaunt that around. But, um, but I want you to know, first and foremost, I, um, I'm a proud member of our church family. Um, I may be like that crazy uncle from another state or the second cousin from Florida, um, but I am one of you, and uh, we are one family together. So I'm just excited to be here. I'm also excited because I deeply respect your church. 
I deeply respect your church, your leaders, your board, your staff, the culture, the spirit that you have. I've experienced all those things long before I visited you in person here. And that says something about the culture and the spirit of your church that a person across the, the, the country can experience your ministry without even visiting this room. So I respect you greatly. And I don't take lightly bringing a word from the Lord this morning to the house. And I'm excited about this word. I told, I told Pastor Derek, man, my heart is full. And usually when my heart is full, I can get off track. And I really got to struggle because I like getting off track. Um, I'm not one of those people that like, these are my three points. And these are, but um, I'm going to do my best um, to stay focused this morning. If you're taking notes, um, some people do, some people don't. I don't love taking notes. Sometimes I just like to like chew on and listen to the message. But if you do, the title of the message this morning is, When Love Roars. When Love Roars. I thought it was very interesting that the last song that we sang in worship this morning was a beautiful description of what it looks like when God's love roars. I'm, I'm not a good singer, and I don't know the words, but that first part, hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. Amen. It's a beautiful description of when love roars. Now, we know that love, God, First um, Corinthians talks about love, and love is patient, love is kind. We, we know what the Bible says about love, but I believe there are moments throughout Scripture and even through our day-to-day where the love of God has roared in such a powerful way that, it's, that it, it shakes the mountains like an earthquake. I can say that here because you have mountains. I can't say that in Florida where, where it's so powerful it's like a hurricane. That's what I would say in Florida. But here, there are moments where the powerful deep expression of the love of God roars into a circumstance, a situation, or a person's life to such the magnitude that it is what we sing about this morning. And what I want to do in the time that we have is I just want to go through a few examples throughout Scripture and throughout our time of what it looks like when love roars. And then the, the remaining time that I have after that is I want to just give you three things that when we allow God's love to roar through us, there are three things that happen. And those three things are what makes being a Christian exciting and fun. Because it's one thing to let the love of God roar into our life If you're here today, my hunch is you've experienced the love of God roar in your life. But it's quite another thing to let the love of God roar through your life into the world that needs it so desperately. So that's what we're going to do in the time that we have remaining. I 
I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Father, I thank you for this beautiful congregation that has experienced the roar of your love, the story of this church, the history of this church, and how you have magnificently and powerfully roared your love into the heart of this congregation in such a way, God, that it has enabled them to roar your love outwardly. I thank you. I celebrate it. I honor it. I thank you for it. And I pray your blessing upon the time that we have here this morning, Lord, that we wouldn't just celebrate it, but we would align with it, that we would participate in it, in our own personal lives, into the communities, the neighborhoods, the workplaces that we're associated with, Lord. May your love also roar through our individual lives in the mission field that we live in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ruth chapter 4. And I'm going to summarize a portion of this really wonderful story, and then we're going to take a closer look at some of the elements that were involved. But this particular story beautifully describes what I mean when I'm talking about when love roars. And uh, it's a story about Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And let me tell you, Ruth had a really sad and a difficult history. She got married at a young age into a family of which Naomi was her mother-in-law. And then tragedy struck, and literally every male in the family passed away tragically. And all that was left were Ruth, her husband had passed away, and her mother-in-law, Naomi, whose husband passed away, and other sons. So, These two ladies were marked by hardship, tragedy, discouragement, despair, and it marked their life in a negative way. Did I just lose my mic? I'm sorry. I have really big ears, and uh, thank you, Pastor Derek. You know, my wife tried to help me put this on earlier, and I think it's just me, so... Well, hopefully Pastor Derek has the magic touch. All right. Is that good? All right. Thank you, Pastor. So Ruth and Naomi had been marked with this despair and this painful past. And um, they fell in line with this extended family. And back then, what would be the case is different members of your extended family could decide whether they would redeem you or just leave you living that life of despair and abandonment. And you're probably familiar with the story of Ruth and what happened, and, and we won't go into details, but if you're interested in her story, I encourage you to read her book. It's, it's very short. But eventually there was a man in their family named Boaz, and this man had a heart for God. He loved God, and he wasn't afraid of the mess of Ruth and Naomi's life. And it was a mess. And the Lord began to speak to his heart and he began to realize, you know what? This woman and her mother-in-law need to be restored and redeemed. But there's a right way of doing this. 
So he went to an extended family member that was closer in line with Ruth and had a conversation. Hey, I really think this woman needs to be restored. The the lineage of her family needs to be redeemed and restored. So the guy was like, oh, great, sure, okay, well, I'd love to add her property, her assets to my family name. And Boaz wisely said, well, yes, you could do that, but it also means that you got to marry her. And the guy said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, I'm not sure I want to marry Ruth. Um, She doesn't have a great track record. And uh, so I think I'm going to, I think I might sit this one out. You can do, you're next in line, you can do whatever. And so Boaz chose to marry her, align his family and her family so that her future could be restored and redeemed. The Bible refers to him as a kinsman redeemer and is one of the most beautiful expressions of the love of God roaring into the pain and the hurt of a person that had been carrying that pain and hurt for a long time. Let me give you a better description in Ruth 4, 13 through 17. It says it very plainly. So plainly. So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman of the town said to Naomi, who was her mother-in-law, who had lost her husband and two sons, the other women said, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth. Now, that's a powerful statement because Naomi was an older widow with a lot of pain. And I think it's a beautiful blessing that the women of her town would say, may the Lord restore your youth, give you a new identity, and care for you in your old age, for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Now, Naomi took the baby. You can imagine this moment. This older woman who thought she'd never have a grandchild because she had lost her sons and her husband, she didn't even imagine that she could at one point hold a grandson. But she took the baby, cuddled him, cared for him as if he were her own. And the neighbor women said, now at last, Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. I don't know because he liked to sleep or what. But he became (laughs) the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. Now, you may wonder, yeah, that's a really neat story, Nathan, but where is it that love actually roared? Because when you think of that, that's a strong expression. Um, I mean, when we sang that song this morning, it, it was, there was strength and power when we were talking about the, the chains being broken. And I think there was even an expression of the, the roar of the, of the lion in that song. So where is that here? Well, let me just touch on a few things. 
I believe we see God's love roar because Ruth had a difficult and troubled past and she was not an ideal candidate for marriage at that time. In other words, she had baggage that nobody wanted to carry with them. She would have to work by herself to provide for her and her mother-in-law. She did it diligently, but she had baggage that even her own kin did not want to bring into their flock. So when Boaz made the decision to bring her into his family, you can believe that the love of God was roaring through that man in a beautiful way. He could have just said, you know, Ruth, I'll give you a spot of land on my property. I'll make sure you have all that you need and you can live out your days. We want to bless you and take care of you. He did not do that. He said, I will marry you. I will give you my family name. I will pay the bride price, which was really expensive back then. I know weddings today can be pretty expensive, but back then it was, it was a lot of money that he had to pay to allow her to be his wife. And then he was not just advancing his own future. He was redeeming hers so that her family line could have a place. So this was a selfless act of love. I think another reason God's love roared through this particular situation is because of Boaz. He had very little to gain. Very little to gain. He gave a lot, but it was with the idea that he would redeem and restore a person that had a troubled and difficult past that was carrying baggage and he gave her the full meal deal, not just partial. Now, this is another interesting part about this story and why I believe God's love roared through it is because Naomi, earlier in the book of Ruth, we see Naomi's kind of a little grouchy. And who would blame her? She had lost so much. She had lost faith. She was in despair. She was... She was like, Ruth, just leave me and go figure things out. But Ruth refused to do. Ruth aligned with her, stayed with her, loved on her, served her like a daughter would. And Naomi did her best to just steer her and guide her and love on her. But she had lost all hope and faith that God could do something big. And when Boaz had allowed the love of God to roar through his life into that circumstance... It restored Naomi's faith in God. Now that's a big deal. Because it wasn't just God expressed his love and they received some really neat things. But their faith was restored. That goes deeper than just surface level love and gifts. That has eternal value. She had vision for her future once again. Now, interestingly, that vision for the future just so happened to be the grandfather of David. Y'all with me, you know who David is, right? David was, was 
one of the most powerful warriors in all of Israel. You know his story with Goliath. You also know that he had a, you know, a few slip-ups uh, during his time. We won't document uh, those, but there is a really powerful moment in his life where the love of God roared so much through Boaz and Ruth that it echoed a few generations later into David's life, but it wasn't necessarily one that you would think of. And one of the things that I love about David is his whole life and the, the, the book of Psalms, the Psalms that he wrote are also examples of the love of God just roaring through his life. But there's a, a powerful story that David is sharing that often gets overlooked because it takes place right before the story of Goliath which everybody who's ever lived knows the story of, of David and Goliath. That's not what I'm referring to when I say that the love of God roared. It's actually in a conversation that David had with King Saul before he confronted Goliath. And I don't know if you're like this, but sometimes I, I read the Bible and I have one of those crazy imaginations, um, which, which can be fun but can also get me in trouble a little bit. And I don't know if you're like that. But this particular passage of Scripture, I want to read through it, and then I want us to engage our imagination a little bit because it's an important example of when love roared. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32 through 37, it says, David is, is coming to King Saul. He's a boy. And he simply says, don't worry about this Philistine. He was referring to Goliath. I'll go fight him. Now, how many of you have ever talked to a young person and they say something, you're like, oh, wow, did you really just say that out loud for all of us to hear? Like, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. We've all had conversations. I have, I have three teenagers and my oldest teenager is in college and he'll say things and I'll be like, wow, did that really actually come off your tongue and you say that? Like, you, you know, I was like, son, can we work on your humility a little bit? Um, I don't say that, but I think that because I do control my tongue. Anyway, um, so David comes to the king and he says, hey, don't worry about this, this giant. Now, King Saul had been sitting there for ages waiting for one of his warriors to have the courage to step up and confront a bully that had been tormenting his whole army for a very long period of time. And so this boy comes up and, and King Saul is like, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since youth. Now, let me just say this. If you have a conversation with a king, and they say something like that to you, probably not a good thing to put on your resume. <laughs> I had this conversation with the king of our country, and he basically told me, I'm being ridiculous, sit down, be quiet, and let the big boys do the thinking here. Like, it's going to be hard to recover from that. Um, if you're a young leader and you get that kind of feedback from the king, you're like, all right, I'm going to head back to my pasture field and just take care of my sheep, right? But that's not what David did because the love of God roared within 
his life. Verse 34 says, but David persisted, which I love that. If you have a young person and they persist with you, honor and celebrate and receive that. He says, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or bear, a lion or bear, yes, they were still violent animals back then, (laughs) comes to steal a lamb from my flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. Can you imagine that? Now, I know a lot of times when we're reading about this chapter, it's like, let's just get to the part of David and Goliath, because that's cool, and the five smooth stones. And we often don't stop and just sit in that. Did he really just say he had confronted and fought a lion and a bear? And did he further say the single lamb was already in the mouth of the lamb, or of the bear and the lion? Now, I'm not a great farmer or a great... Um, shepherd, but if a lamb gets to that point, (laughs) dad, you'll never believe what happened today. (laughs) The good news is I came back with both of my hands. The bad news is I lost a single sheep out of a hundred. So that's 99%. That's still an A, right? Not, not for David. Because, you see, the love of God roared in his heart. And he knew the love of the Father for every single sheep. So, yes, he stuck his hand close to the jaw, the teeth, the mouth of lions and bears and rescued innocent, beautiful sheep from the jaws of death and destruction at the risk of his own hand. Probably the same hand he used to sling stones At Goliath, a few moments later, probably the same hand that he used to pick up Goliath's sword and do what's probably PG-13 that I won't mention in here. Those same hands that God blessed and used, he risked by putting near a very dangerous and deadly place. Now get this, he goes on. When a a lion or bear comes to steal, I go after it with a club to rescue it. It's from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, gets aggressive, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions, plural, and bears, plural, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God The Lord who has rescued me from the claws of lion and bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Now Saul hears that. And there's something within Saul who had also been struck by fear and intimidation. Along with all of the army of Israel. I think 
the love of God began to roar a bit in his heart. And he said, all right, go for it, David. And we know what happens the rest of the story. And I won't take a long time, but when you think of what David is talking about, it was the roar of God in the pasture fields where he was protecting his father's sheep that allowed the roar of God to come through his life over Goliath. And when it came over Goliath, you notice the response of the army of Israel. They all got up, cheered, and they pursued their enemy with that same roar of a loving God. But it took a boy to persist even when the king had ridiculed him. There's three things here. God's love roared because he loves his sheep even the ones that are caught in the jaw of a predator. God's love roared because an injustice was occurring. His people were being spiritually bullied and taunted and fear had struck the flock. Someone had to strike back and sometimes you have to use a club. Now there are other moments. The gospels are full of them. Obviously we we sang this morning, we know that when God sent his son from the, the distance of heaven to earth to die on the cross, his love roared powerfully throughout all history. Redemption, restoration, salvation occurred because of the cross and the roar of his love. Now you probably wonder, yeah, these are great Bible stories, but what, what about today? What's an example of today of, of when God's love Roars. Well, I want to tell you one. It's a very powerful story. It only took place about three years ago. When a beautiful church in Colorado Springs made the big decision to follow the roar of God's love in their church family, the way of Boaz, the way of David, the way of Jesus, to see the gospel multiply by adopting a church that had a similar past as Ruth and was in a similar state as the lamb in David's story. This particular church in Colorado Springs shared and sent their own wonderful pastors their culture, their name, to rescue a lamb that was stuck in the mouth of a predator, to redeem a congregation that was like a Ruth with a troubled and difficult past. God's love roared through that congregation into a church that they had never met, but was a part of their family, their extended family. Little did you know you'd be meeting one of their crazy second cousins this morning. (laughs) But you multiplied the love of the gospel through adoption. And it wasn't a cute little baby adoption. It was a Ruth. It was a lamb stuck in the jaws of a predator. I know this because I was, and my family, we were five of the 20 people whose church at that time was in the deathly jaws 
of a predator. And this morning, I want to say thank you. Thank you for following your heavenly father by sending your precious shepherds for sharing your culture, for sharing your name. That's a big deal, by the way. The name of our church in Florida at that time had a tarnished, tarnished name. When you shared your name, it was a big deal. Not just your pastors, not just your culture. I also want to thank you for sticking your hand into the jaw area of a predator to rescue our Florida church. Thank you for redeeming a church with a troubled past. Thank you for letting God's love roar through your church. I cannot make light of that. In fact, it's one of the most beautiful expressions of God's love that I've ever seen through any church family. So much like Ruth, so much like David, are you. But I didn't just come this morning to thank you. I came because I believe there is a message in our story, a message in your example that all of us can apply to our own lives. Because this is why we live in a community that are full of Ruth's. We live in a community where there are Goliaths taunting God's people. And there are lions and bears and predators that have snatched up precious sheep that God loves. And God sent his son to die for. And he's looking to you and to me to follow the lead of the culture of your church and the lead of your pastors my pastor, to put our hand into some of those circumstances to let God's love roar through our individual lives into those that desperately need it. The message is for all of us because in this room is represented neighborhoods, communities, workplaces, families, and my hunch is this morning, you know a few Ruths in your personal life. You probably know a few lambs who are currently in the jaw of a predator. So when we let God's love roar through us, there are three things that happen. And I won't be much longer. I appreciate your patience. Three things happen when we let God's love roar through us. First, when God's love roars through us, we're filled with faith, and it often makes no sense at all. Made no sense for David to stick his hands in the mouth. Made no sense for this boy to, to have a conversation like that with the Saul. It made no sense for Boaz to pay that price to bring this widow and, and this other widow into his family as one. When, you see, when we're redeemed, the stuff from our past no longer becomes our future. We saw that with Ruth. We saw that with Israel. 
we're seeing that with Reach Church Florida. Redemption brings a new future. And when you have a new future, your faith begins to roar as well. And you begin to believe because you're no longer lost. Fear's lost its grip on me so I can believe that God will do something through my life. So when we let God's love roar, our faith is stirred and built in not just us, but those through whom his love flows into. When you made the decision to adopt our church in Florida, can I tell you that the previous two years, the only questions they were asking were, how are we going to survive? I was there for that part as well. How are we going to survive? How are we going to survive? Literally, that was the only question. They'd come on Sunday. I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know. That was their mentality. And over the last three years, because of the love of God roaring through you into them, they're asking different questions. You know what they're asking now? How are we going to reach the people in our neighborhood? How are we going to reach the people across the street? How are we going to reach the kids that are a part of the school on our property? And if you notice, there is a, a big difference in those questions. When God's love roars through us, we're filled with faith. And we're seeing that in Reach Church, Florida. The second thing that happens when we let God's love roar through us, we're compelled to action. Often which addresses an injustice. We don't just feel like, oh, I got to do something with God's love. We're, we're moved and compelled to do something because we feel the love of God with us to such a degree that we do crazy things like stick our hands into the mouth of a lion to rescue a lost sheep because it's wrong. Or we confront a king like David did because we're looking around and God's greatest army is struck with fear, paralyzed, immobile because of a single giant. And so when God loves roars, we're compelled to action. Now I'm going to tell you a couple things. When we experience the might and depth of God's love, it calls us to see life through that lens. And then we no longer just want to be recipients of it. We want to be carriers of it. And it calls us to do things that we wouldn't necessarily do because we know how much God loves us. We see, we've seen that with Florida. I want to give you just an example. One of the injustices that had taken place years ago in our church in Florida was a financial injustice, a financial wrong that had taken place by previous leadership years ago, and it had wounded the church in a deep way. It was a financial wound, but it was a lethal, almost lethal wound. And one of the things I love about our pastors is their unique gifts and strengths. And you know this about Angie and her skill with finances, stewardship. She is 
She is like a surgeon. It's a gift and it's a strength. And I'll tell you, I remember moments where she would be at Reach Church Florida and she would look at the finances and she could see the wounds of the past. But she stuck her hands into the mouth of that predator and she began to work her ministry magic and she began to bring financial clarity and stability and it has healed the wounds or the injustice that had taken place. Pastor Derek also began to notice things of people that were taking advantage of the church. And because the church hadn't really been paying attention, these people just continued to take advantage of it. And he realized that when he got on the scene and he was compelled to action. And through his unique gifts of, and skills of leadership, he stuck his hand into the mouth and removed that church. And he made it clear Lion, bear, you are not going to get this lamb in your mouth again. You see, when God's love roars, we're compelled to action. And the last thing, and this is my favorite thing, and then I'm going to wrap it up. My favorite thing that happens when God's love roars through us, we see the gospel multiplied. That's a big deal. We see the gospel multiplied, of which is often beyond our ability. You see, in the story of Ruth, when God's love roared, it produced a great grandson. There was a multiplication that occurred. David, it led to David. In David's case, when God's love roared, it, it was a multiplication of the gospel. But it was in different ways. In Ruth's case, it was a multiplication by reproduction. She had a baby. In David's case, it was a multiplication by a mindset of faith and courage. But in both instances, the gospel was multiplied exponentially. And it was a beautiful thing. I want to show you a brief video about Easter last year when Reach Church Florida began to, well, this wasn't when they began, but they started seeing what it looks like when God's love not only roars into them from you, but what they're able to do when God's love roars through them onto their com community. I was there. I was amazed at God's goodness. And I don't know if you've seen this video, but I want you to see it. It's a picture of our campus pastors, um, Jake and Mandy Grimes, and this is our outreach Easter. There was hundreds of people that came. If we have that video, if you'd go ahead and show that here, it's a little less than a minute. And we just want to, we want to just give you the opportunity to make Jesus heaven in your life. And so, um, so we're going to pray real quick. We want to pray over all of your families. We want to pray over this weekend, your Easter resurrection weekend. And we also, we want to give all the little sometimes before we get started. Oh, and we'll start with the little tiny ones first to get there to the Easter Bunny, but the Easter Bunny has to go on. So, okay, so, all right, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day you've given us, Lord. I thank you for each and every family and 
person that you brought here today. Lord, help us have a great time and help us to remember what Easter is all about, Lord. When you sent your one and only son to die for our sins, Lord, to die on the cross and rose again on the third day, Lord, that we may have life and have freedom. And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you that you're here with us today and walking among us. We love you. We thank you. And just go with us today. Keep everyone. You see, when you let God's love roar through you as a congregation into a church in Florida, it begins a work of healing and redemption and restoration to where that church has stopped asking the questions, how are we going to survive? Because they were given a great gift by you a kingdom gift, a gospel gift of God's love, the culture that you have was multiplied into who they are and it began to stir their faith. The culture of your church began to bring beautiful healing to the wounds that they had occurred years before. And now they've shifted from we once were lost, but now we're found. And because we're found, we're going to begin to let the love of God roar through our life as well. There were over 400, 500 people there that day that not only experienced the love of God in their lives on that campus that you've adopted beautifully, but they were shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, when we let the love of God roar through us, the gospel is multiplied. Now, it's not just a great story. It's a wonderful mandate for each and every one of us to pick up ourselves. And as I mentioned earlier, we're not just here to celebrate the work that God has done. We're here to be mobilized ourselves as disciples, as followers of Jesus, to take his great love wherever we go. The neighborhoods, by the way, how many neighborhoods are being built in this area? A whole lot of people are coming. Some of them are going to be Ruth's. Your church is so good at being kinsmen redeemers and letting God's love roar in such a way that those people who are carrying baggage or pain from their past can receive a new future. You see, those chains can be broken and the message of death does not have to be cast upon those roofs. And there are people in your families, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces that are just stuck in the mire of sin like that lamb. And God is calling you to have the same courage, faith, and bravery of your pastors and leaders to say, we're going to stick our hand in and believe that God is going to roar his love into their life. And if necessary, we got a club. We got the word of God that we can use as a weapon against the enemy because he does not belong here in Colorado Springs. 
In church, you have a great reputation of letting God's love roar. You've inspired me. Your love has roared in my own life, has boosted my own faith, and I'm praying that the Lord, the gospel, would continue to be multiplied through my life as it has been through your church. I want to pray a blessing over you, and I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Derek. But I want you to know this morning, if you're here, you're like, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear the good work that God has done. But maybe you need the love of God to roar in your life right now too. Maybe you have felt stuck in the jaw of sin and death. Or maybe you felt a little bit like a Ruth, where your past is beyond God's love redeeming. And I just want you to know, whatever you're facing, you are not beyond the reach of God's love. We sing about it this morning. It's true for each and every one of you. If you're here, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. And then I just want to pray that the gospel would continue to be multiplied through your church. Father God, I thank you for the story of this congregation and the courage of this congregation to, to follow the way of Jesus to follow the path of Boaz, to follow the path of David, and to get involved in the Great Commission, and to get involved in people's lives and churches' lives. And Lord, I just pray that this story would multiply, because God, I know you are bringing a harvest to this community. You are bringing Ruth's to this community. You are bringing sheep to this community that need rescued. And you've equipped powerfully this congregation and its members to reach into those places, to bring the light and the love of Jesus so that salvation can be seen and experienced. So I just pray now, God, your blessing upon this place. And upon those that need a touch of your love, God, may they not leave here without knowing that they are fearfully and wonderfully made in your image. And you sent your son, the culture of heaven, and your name so that they could have a future and a hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Stand to your feet. We're gonna, I know we're going to worship as we go, but before we do, I want you to say this with me. Are you ready? Lift your hands to heaven. I want you to say this with me. Ready? Heavenly Father, let your love roar to me through me into the lives of those around me. Amen? All right, let's go.